all in number, mighty in spirit. I just got to know who came to be changed this morning. Who came to be different? Who came to leave a different person than what they came in this morning? I've, I've prayed for that all week. I just, there's things in my life that need to change. I want to I grow closer to God. I want to grow up in my faith. I want to be able to live on His Spirit alone. And we're at the right place to do that this morning. So if you would, please bow with me as we start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, grateful and thankful for the opportunity to be in your house. God, and knowing that this is not a formality, God, that we come to seek your face. God, that we came to seek change in our lives, in our community, in our world, Lord. We know it starts on our hands and our knees at your feet. God, surrendering ourselves, Lord, help us get there in a position that we can help. Lord, I pray that you would give us strength and give us guidance to be your hands and feet here on earth, God, that we could do your work. Lord, that we can learn your word, that we can be a living testimony, God, and a light in this world that you've called us to be. God, I pray for change this morning. I pray for life changes this morning as we get into your word, Lord, and as we fellowship together and just study it and give honor and praise to you, God, for all that you are and all that you've done for us. God, I pray that we could just give a little back to you. God, the only thing I have to give you is my life and that which you created. And Lord, I'm willing to do so. God, I pray that you would just have your hand on this service. God, that you would lift each and every person here that you would be with the people that are not here, God, and that you would just touch their lives for whatever reason, whether it be health or sickness, God, or if they're just lost. God, just pray that you would pour into our lives in a way that you would become our priority. Lord, we just love you and thank you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be in Luke this morning. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about some numbers this morning. The numbers I got wrote down, <clears throat> I'm going to see if you guys can figure out what I'm talking about. It says only 40% of American families do this three nights a week. And 10% never do it at all. And the numbers are dropping from generation to generation, getting getting less and less. But the benefits to doing this will improve your health. It'll improve relationships. It'll improve stability, behavioral problems, literacy, self-esteem. It leads to higher grades and less substance abuse less teen pregnancy, less depression, and less suicide. And what I'm talking about is a family meal. Now, I grew up having family meals. My mom, she always got up and cooked us breakfast before school. We always had a hot meal for breakfast. We ate every morning. Dad was usually gone to work early. 
But at night, most nights, we had a meal together. Now, I know what you're thinking. It gets hard. Life gets busy. But those meals will forever have an impact. I can remember roast wasn't my favorite meal. I like it now, but it wasn't my favorite meal as a kid, as you can imagine. But crockpot meals were pretty easy. Mom could put them on in the morning. They were ready when we got home. And you could sit there and you can just chew a piece of roast. And it just keeps getting bigger in your mouth. <laughs> and you can just chew on it and chew on it and it just never goes away. And uh, I can remember that as a kid. But those were always good memories. You know, and it wasn't an option not to eat, as you can tell. It wasn't, well, if you don't like it, you're going to bed hungry. No, it was you're going to eat because you need a meal. But the things that I remember about growing up and having meals together was now looking back, as I'm a parent, is the sacrifice that my parents made for time. I played a lot of ball when I was in school. One summer I played on four different baseball teams, two in Gainesville and two in Mountain Home. And sometimes I would have two or three practices a day in the summertime. But we always made time to come together as a family. And we went to my grandma's a lot on Sunday and we had family meals with them. And what I'm getting at in the, book, in the book of Luke, there are at least 10 or 11 places where it talks about Jesus setting down to a meal with people. And my thought with this was, is how important family meals are. But as I was praying and I was going over these things last night late, he started to show me that it was more about the intentionalness of what we're doing. My parents were intentional about preserving our family time together. They did it on purpose knowing that it was important. We as my family are also intentional with having family time. Now I was reading a couple different articles about this and and not everybody's may be a family meal at night. I read about one family that said they're so scattered after school and sometimes late at night. Now they had six kids, so I mean that's, that's a lot of different directions, but their time was in the morning. They got up with their kids and they made coffee and they had snacks and they actually replaced their kitchen table with some comfy chairs and a coffee table with literature puzzles, magazines, Bibles, books. And they would come together every morning and they would sit and they would talk about what was going on in the day and who had what practice. But they came together and spent time together. The parents were intentional about gathering their kids together and knowing what was going on in everybody's life and being a part of their kids' life and allowing their kids to be a part of their life. I think oftentimes as parents we get to going so fast that we don't feel like kids need to know what's going on in our lives. And so you create a gap of knowledge. We know what's going on in our kids' lives, but they have no clue about us. 
They don't know what we do. They don't know who our friends are. They don't know why we go to work and things like that. It's the simple things, but it's about building that relationship. It's about being intentional, knowing what's going on in your family's life. Knowing where they're having struggles and knowing where they're having problems. But it's about being intentional. It's about taking the time. I'm gonna, the first set I'm going to read is in Luke chapter 5, verse 27. But as I was reading about each of these meal placements and what Jesus did at each one of them, and I, I love it because a lot of times when everybody's really hungry and you sit down at the table and there's a lot of gib-gab and everything, commotion going on, and then you sit down everybody starts eating and it's completely quiet. And Peyton, she just loves it. She's like, boy, this food must be good. Nobody's talking. You know, and she's just hammering down. But a time of gathering is important. We talk about fellowship. And we talk about families. And I believe that Satan has taken on a personal attack of the family today. But we got to remember, and we'll get to it later on in Scripture, that it's not about just family. Because who is my family? Who is my family? I'm going to skip through here because I highlighted some Scripture. In Luke 8, verse 19, I'm just going to read it to you real fast. It says, Then came, in, then came to him his mother and his brethren, and could not come at him for the press. And it was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to see thee. And this is Jesus talking. And he said, And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. My mother and my brethren are these in which hear the word of God and and do it. We all share the blood. Once you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we are family. We share one blood, and that's the covering of Jesus Christ. So when we talk about gathering with family, I'm not talking about immediate family or, or fathers and mothers and, and sons and daughters. I'm talking about the family and the body of Christ. So in chapter 5, I'm going to start in verse 27. And I'm going to read for a little bit. And it says, And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of customs. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. Just him? Let's keep reading. And there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus, answering, said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." Jesus wasn't picky about who he sat with. 
This is not a family-only gathering. This is a, I'm going to make a meal and whoever wants to come is welcome kind of meal. But Jesus, having just called Levi, was intentional. And when they sat, there's no time to be wasted. And I think the problem that we have today is we waste a lot of time. We waste a lot of opportunity to share the Word of God because we find it uncomfortable. We find it awkward. Well, that's not really my spot. I don't know the Bible that well. I can't really help anybody. That's not true. Because if you've accepted the blood of Jesus Christ, then you have a testimony. And testimonies are the most powerful tool that God gave us. Because why? Because it says, be ready to give an account for the hope that you have. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know why that you have hope. It's because of Jesus Christ. And that is your first testimony. And one of the most important testimonies. So when Jesus sat at this meal after He had called Levi, and Levi accepted... Levi fixed a feast. And it wasn't just, Jesus just called me, we're going to have a one-on-one -on -one cup of coffee, and we're going to talk about it, and it's going to be great. No, he fixed a feast, and there was a multitude of people there, and they ate, and Jesus didn't waste the opportunity to tell them, I didn't come for the people that are not sick. They don't need a physician. I came for the people that need help, the distressed, the down and out, the awkward, the lonely. They need my help, but he didn't waste that time. He was intentional. I'm going to hit on a couple others. The next scripture I'm going to get to is Luke 10, verse 38. But I'm going to hit on a couple other meals that go in between that. He went to Simon's house. At Simon's house. He had dinner with the Pharisees. And at Simon's house, there was a prostitute that brought an oil vase and started washing his feet with her tears because she was so down and out and she knew that she was so lost and that she needed a Savior and that she had messed up so bad that she literally cried enough to wash Jesus' feet. So Jesus turned this meal also into a learning opportunity. He didn't waste it. He gathered with sinners. He sat down to meet with them. In feeding the 5,000, I'm going to back up. When we're talking about the, the sinful woman, he's talking about the prostitute, and he gets to the end, and he's talking to the, the Pharisees and the scribes. In verse 47, he says, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. I said, this woman just got saved. This woman just got saved. It's at the end of this set of Scripture, and it doesn't have an exclamation point on it, but I think it should be wrote in bold. 
This woman just got saved. The Pharisees and scribes didn't even know what was happening. They wouldn't even allow her in her house. But the one thing I like about the set of Scripture is that the Pharisees and the scribes knew what she was. I had read in the account of the Scripture, somebody else is like, you know, the only way that a person of that nature would have made it into a kingdom is if she was already known there. Think about that for a second. You think she'd been there before? I don't know. Something to think about. As these religious leaders were calling her a sinner and looking down on her. But anyway, we're going to go to 10, verse 38. Eventually, I'm going to get there. 10, verse 38. Now it has come to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. Listen to that. But one thing is needful. And Mary, which was sitting at Jesus' feet, had chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Life is busy. Life is busy. Martha. Martha, Martha. Life is busy and she only wanted to do good by Jesus, right? She only wanted to serve Jesus in which she believed. But with her good intentions and her staying so busy, she missed it. Now, it's great to have kids involved in things and to be doing things and to help wherever you can help. I find myself getting there sometimes, running a bank, being on school board, pastor at a church. We have to be careful in doing good that we don't get spread so thin that we lose our focus and our point in being there. We talk about traditions and doing things, and I... I <laughs> I had talked to one of the brothers of the church the other night and, and we were talking about being ordained and my definition of ordained is being called by God to preach. And we, we had an honest conversation and I said, that's my definition of ordained. It's different for some people, but I'm not here to set stumbling blocks. I'm not here to cause a division. I'm here to help people grow closer to the Lord and bring the truth that God has given me. That's what I'm here for. I'm helped to build the church, not tear it down. So whatever that encompasses, we got to be careful that we're not getting too busy that we forget about why we're there. I don't want to get too busy that I forget that I'm here to serve God. That's what I'm here for. Now He has called me to do other things, but first and foremost, I'm here to serve my one true God. That's why I'm here. 
Martha lost that. She forgot in her well-doing. She had nothing but good intentions to serve Jesus. And she said, Jesus, I'm here. I'm serving you. I'm, I'm doing all that I can. And he said, but you're forgetting that you need to hear me. So in all our hustle and bustle and our, our prayers for strength and courage, let's not forget to listen. Let's not forget to get in that quiet place in that moment and wait on the Word of God to come to you and to let Him tell you things and not get so busy and blocked out by the noise that as you're traveling down the road that you won't take time for Him. There's a lot of good things happening. It's like the person running late for church and they pass somebody by with a flat tire that they could have helped because they're late for church. You're missing it. God would rather have you here in dirty clothes because you stopped to help somebody that was in trouble than to have you here on time in spotless clothes and one of his children still out there lost and hurting. I could promise you that's what he was telling Martha. Like, Martha, slow down. You're missing it. You're going to miss it by doing good. You're going to miss it by doing good things. You don't want to miss this. Jesus was intentional about this meal. He made record to Martha, listen, listen to me, slow down a little bit and listen to me. The next part I'm going to is Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. And as you get there, I'm going to talk about a couple other meals. He had dinner with some Pharisees. And he talked about the cleansing of the outside of the dish. But God didn't make the outside only. He made the inside too. What? Just because you dress up in nice clothes and come sit in a pew on Sunday does not mean that you are truly living. Amen? You have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's something that you have to do. You have to accept the free gift that Jesus Christ gave you. You can sit in church every Sunday for 30 years and never accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and you're just as lost as the day you started. We have to be intentional as we go along. Jesus said that there is no middle ground. You're either with me or you're not. You're for me or you're against me. He even says in Revelations that the people riding the fence I will spew out of my mouth because it makes him sick. He said it's far better to know that you're lost than to think you're good and be lost. Where are you at today? Do you know that you know? Do you know that you know? If you don't know, today is the day. Be intentional. Be intentional. Know where you're going. Know where you set. He also went to eat with the Pharisees on the Sabbath. And there was a man with dropsy came by. Or there, I don't know if he came by or was there. Anyway, there was a man with dropsy, and I don't know what that is. Sounds bad. Um, 
But he looked at the Pharisees and he said, is it unlawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they had no words. And he healed this man and said, go. And he looked at the Pharisees and they still had no words. And he said to him, which one of you would not pull your asses if they were in a ditch out? So we talk about honoring the Sabbath day and, and, and taking rest. But if there is a need, then don't bypass it. If there is a need, don't bypass it. Don't overlook it. There's never a bad time to do good. There's never a bad time to do good. It doesn't matter where the person's heart at that you're helping is. But if you're intentional with showing God's love to everybody that you come in contact with, you're doing what you should be doing. That's what you have to account for when Jesus Christ comes back. What you did. I can help my wife stay tuned in and she can bring me back to a humble place. But ultimately, she will not account for my sin and I will not account for hers. Now we can help each other and build each other up, but our accountability is in here. So don't ever let anybody tell you, oh, I wouldn't help them. They've got blah, blah, blah. Who cares if you're helping them because you want to show them the love of God because you care for their soul and their eternal salvation, then it is never a bad time. Ever. Never, ever. If you care for somebody's soul about eternal salvation, it is never a bad time. It doesn't matter if you're giving $25 to a millionaire dressed like a homeless person. It does not matter because you are showing them the love of God. Be intentional in your actions. Let them know why you feel compelled to give that millionaire $25. Man, I just had this feeling come over me and I see that you're in need and man, Jesus Christ really pulled me out of some struggle. Man, He stepped in and He saved me from eternal damnation. I want to tell you, when I give you this $25 about the God that I serve and why this $25 is being given to you, be intentional about showing the love of God. In every one of these meals, Jesus is intentional about sharing what He knows and how He has come to save so when we get to chapter 19, starting in verse 1, eventually I'll get there. It says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus who was, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to this place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be with a guest, with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. 
And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house. Amen. For as much as he also is the son of Abraham, for the son of man is to come and seek and to save that which is lost. Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. We go to your house and we're going to eat. <laughs> Zacchaeus, Jesus called him by name. Jesus has called you by name. Come sit at the table. Come to the table. It's full of people like me. There's a line of sinners waiting to get in. But the only ones that are getting in that share the blood. Jesus was intentional with Zacchaeus. He called him out. He singled him out by name. And Jesus said, you have received, this house has received salvation this day. Amen? I can't wait. I can't wait till that day, whenever he comes back. And he says, come on in. Come sit at my table. Let's feast. What a glorious day that'll be. We talked about communion, I think, the last time we were here. And the breaking of the bread. The next place I'm going is chapter 24, verse 28. But I'm going to talk about the Last Supper for a second. The Last Supper was very intentional. When we think about the Last Supper, Jesus gathered what was important to Him. He gathered the people that he was leaving and entrusting the gospel to the rest of the world, he gathered together with himself. And when he gathered these guys together, little did they know that they were responsible for the job that they had at hand because they didn't even really think that Jesus was going away yet. You know, it was still that far off distance. Yeah, I know he said he was going away, but, you know, sometime. Sometime off in the future. You know, Jesus is coming back, but, yeah, you know, it's way off out there. We don't know. They didn't know. Jesus was intentional about gathering the people that he entrusted with God's word together for a last meal. And he washed their feet. And he talked to them. And he laid out exactly what was going to happen. And who had deceived him. And who was going to deny him. And he left an ordinance that should be carried on forever, which is communion, which we did. He blessed the bread and he broke it. And he said, do this in remembrance of my body that, I, that was broken for you. And he said, take this cup and sip. Because of my blood that was shed cover your sins this meal that jesus had planned was very much intentional and i love the part until i had really studied for communion last time because it was my first communion service and i was a little nervous but i really studied it and i like what he showed me it's not just do this in remembrance of me he says until i come back 
There's a promise in there. He says, do it until I come back. Which means, my Jesus, my Savior, is coming back for me. Because I'm going to do it in remembrance of Him in a hopeful, joyful waiting until He comes back. And I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to be as intentional as I can every day because I don't know when He's coming back. But I know that we're 24 hours closer today than we were yesterday. And there's still a lot of work to be done. And He tells us that there are very few laborers. But the harvest is ripe. So the laborers that are here better get after it. And if they want help, they better go find some. We need to find helpers. We need to be intentional. The Last Supper was very intentional. But I'm going to skip to 24. Chapter 24. I'm going to start in 28. 24, 28. Now we got two people walking to Emos. Emos, whatever it is. Anyway. And Jesus started walking with them and they didn't even know who he was. And they're just, I can imagine this. I pictured this, you know. We watch a lot of Andy Griffith at the house, but I just picture, you know, they're walking down this road and they're just talking, these two guys, and another guy comes up and Hey, what's going on? You know, and they're all talking and happy. and They have no clue that it is their resurrected Savior. They don't know who they're talking to, but guess what? They're nice guys, right? They're nice to whoever. Hey, once we get up here, you want to go eat? You know, invite them in for a meal. It was not until after... The resurrected Jesus broke the bread that they realized who he was and then he vanished. But that just goes to show you it doesn't matter who it is. If they are down and out, you help them. Jesus wasn't just a friend to the Pharisees that were all up on religious doctrine. In fact, that was the last on his list because they had heard the word and not received it. He came for the lost. He came for the sick. He came for the poor. He came for the people that truly realized that they needed him. That's where we stand at a crossroads today. Church, there's not enough people that realize that they need a Savior today. That's our job. That's what we're here for. Jesus gathered the twelve together in the Last Supper to impart on them and to gather them together one last time to rally the troops together. It was important. It's important to gather together, to fellowship together, to bring family members and the lost Together, there's a story in there about a king that cooked a great meal and invited all these people. And they all made excuses. I bought land. I just got married. I just bought a yoke of oxen. And he said, fine. Fine. Servants, go get people out of the street. Let them come eat. So they went and gathered people. 
They went and gathered people and they brought them back. And he said, my house is still not full. Go get more. Are we like that? I'm not helping the most people that I can help. I'm going to go talk to more people. If one is all you can manage, then you better manage that one. But once they accept salvation, tend to them, but go get another one. If you can handle three at a time, then go get three. But it all starts with one. Be intentional. Gather together. Invite the strange in. Invite the poor in. Invite the inflicted in to see the love of God because that's what we're here for. To show the love of God to people. Jesus was intentional. The facts that come along with these family meals were staggering to me. If you truly, truly want to help, spend time with somebody. Spend time with somebody. You could give them all the money in the world, and that may help them zero. But you spend time with them. Let them see that you care about them. That you want to invest in their life. Misty just had a shirt. What was your shirt made that you had made? Your life is worth my time. My life was worth Jesus' time. My life wasn't only worth his time, but it was worth his blood. He spilled out willingly for me. Is somebody's life worth your time? Think about that as we go through the week. Think about that as we look together again tonight. And if somebody's got a testimony because they felt so pulled tonight, we will listen to it and we will rejoice with you. Because I can guarantee you, if you had a little talk with Jesus right now, he would tell you their life is worth your time. I want another child to come see me when they die. I want to receive another person into my kingdom today because their life is worth my time. I'm going to open up the altars. If there's been somebody on your heart, their life is worth your time. Jesus is telling you, go talk to them. Go spend a little time with them. Invest into my kingdom. We talked about worldly things this morning in a Bible study in Sunday school. Worldly things never add up. They never add up. But a person's eternal salvation carries a lot of weight. Invest in somebody. Have those hard conversations because you don't know the outcome. You don't know. You may get laughed at. Praise God, you may see somebody come to the foot of the cross. That is one of the best things that you will ever, ever witness in your life.
I can guarantee it. To watch God work through you to help somebody else is just an overwhelmingly great blessing. But you can't do that if you're not being intentional with God's Word and with God's kingdom and with Jesus Christ's sacrifice that He made for our salvation. Because they don't know what they don't know. So I ask the church today, be intentional. Be intentional with your actions. Be intentional with your prayers. Be intentional with your life. Your life is an account of what, they're, what He's doing for you. Your life is a living testimony of what God's power is. If you need help being intentional, if you would please stand with me. If you need help overcoming, if you need help reaching your full potential, come to the foot of the cross. That's where you'll gain your strength. The altars are open. Come find your strength. Come find your one. If you don't have one, pray for one. Be intentional with your prayers. If you don't know where you're going, you better know. Today is the day of salvation. It's Zacchaeus' day. Today is your day if you don't know him. Because God is calling you into the kingdom today. The altars are open.